The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, February 17th, and we are in the, like, we're hurtling towards the meat of the offseason to uh, catch up with all the things going on in the NFL. We'll be talking with our good pal, Jonathan Jones. Also in the feed, AFC East offseason priorities with John Breach and Ryan Wilson. NFC East offseason priorities with Cody Benjamin and Jared Dubin. Coming up, oh wait, that'll be tomorrow. Yeah, NFC East is tomorrow. I'm losing track of my days. We recorded them in odd fashion. Friday will be a five-star mailbag. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Any question you want, whether it's about life, beer, particular off-season, a player, a trade, whatever you want. Parenting advice? I got some bad ones. Do you want some DFS picks? Oh, I got those. I'm much better at that than being a parent. Uh, anyway, we'll get to it next week, though. Leave them now. They'll pop up at some point. JJ, what's up, buddy? Man, it's good to talk to you. It's good to be back home mm. here in Charlotte. Yeah, you are in Charlotte now. Yeah, yeah. I had been up in uh, in the Stamford, Connecticut area for a few months throughout the season, but, uh, but I'm back home and what happy to be What was the longest you. stretch you went without – like, were you there the whole time? Yeah, I got up there. Uh, I was there so – You didn't see a, your house for like five months or your that, That's apartment. correct. Yeah, five that's, months. Was that weird walking back in? Um, yeah, it was, I had a buddy who came and checked up on things and, and whatnot, but, uh, but no, it was good. And, you know, um, I, I was happy to do it and thankful that, you know, CBS, uh, allowed me to do it. Cause I did didn't you, really did you hug the bartender at the hotel on your way out in Stanford. <laughs> uh, we did, we did a lot of socially distant, you know, like, Hey, let's stay in touch kind of deals. You know, yeah. I follow you on this social media channel. Uh, so it was nice. Okay. Right on. Um, so the Texans are a thing right now. Yeah, we're still talking about them, huh? Yeah. And um, J.J. Watts out. Deshaun Watson still wants out. Uh, do you have any – is, does it bother you at all? Some people made a big stink out of how they're handle, they handle J.J. Watt uh, versus how they are handling Deshaun Watson. Any – I mean, I understand why people want to say that, but I also understand why it's kind of nonsense. Yeah, I mean – it's more that it is a little bit nonsense. You're talking about a pass rusher whose best days are behind him. Um, you know, he's, he's on a contract at what was 17 and a half million dollars. Like they, they don't want to pay him at that price considering his production injuries the last couple of years. No one in the NFL wants to pay him at that price. Now, 
could they potentially have have sent him somewhere for a I had written second or third rounder. I talked with some personnel folks. That was probably too high. A fourth or a fifth rounder um, and gotten that in return, especially for a team that needs picks. And then the team that that traded for him would obviously restructure that deal. They'd all be under that understanding. Yeah, they could have done that. Um, but they didn't. And that was the one key difference where if Nick Casario is saying, we're going to do what's in the best interest of the Houston Texans by not trading Deshaun Watson, despite there being a historic draft hall waiting, a uh, trade draft hall waiting for them, um, because they believe what's in the best interest of the Texans is Deshaun Watson playing for them, which he will not do. Then, uh, they should also do what's in the best interest of the Texans and try to get something for J.J. Watt. They could still do right by him. They could trade him to a place that he wants to go, a Pittsburgh, a Green Bay, a Buffalo, a Cleveland, uh, if those are the four or whatever they wind up being. And then those teams could restructure his deal. They opted to not do that. They opted to just, quote, unquote, do right by J.J. Watt. So congratulations on the PR win, but that doesn't translate to anything on the field. Yeah, I don't – so it's weird. And I got I, like Doug Gottlieb and I were tweeting about this, and he was like, "Have you talked to anybody in the league?" They, 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 I was like, "Well, I mean, like, so the Watt thing, one of two things has to be true. Either they, well, I don't know if it's one of two things, but this is what bothers me. I get that they weren't getting a high pick for him, but you're getting something for him. Getting something for him. Now, it's not going to change the fate of your franchise. I did want to add that. Sure. The four, the, if you get a fourth rounder, for, if you get a third rounder for him, that third rounder is not going to be the difference more than likely between you going to the playoffs and not going to the playoffs next year. Of course, of course not. Not even close. Now, you could end up hitting a home run with the third rounder. You could use a third rounder and move up in a deal to get it. My only point is this. If JJ Watts, I mean, maybe they get a late compensatory pick for him. You know, if, if, we'll see how he plays and where he goes and what he signs for, but like, you you hired Nick Casario, and you brought Jack Easterby in. Like the whole point of it, I thought, was that these guys were groomed under Bill Belichick, and that they have connections to New England, and that they would act in a way that Bill Belichick would act. You know what Bill Belichick would never, ever, 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 ever do is give away, give a, let a player walk for good PR and lose a fourth round, a fourth or third round pick, and maybe yeah. it's a fourth. But I mean, like, so are the Texans opera? I mean, are the Texans that desperate for good PR? So are they idiots? Are they liars? Like, why, like that's the question. That's my thing. Are they idiots? Are they liars? Or are they dumb liars? I, and I, I don't know. Well, I mean, look at look at their most recent history, right? And you know, they got rid of Bill O'Brien in large part because they gave him too much power. He ran unchecked as a general manager, and that's what landed them Laramie Tunsil on the largest offensive lineman contract. Which, listen, congratulations to Laramie Tunsil, but I don't think anyone would pay Laramie Tunsil. That sort of money, uh, unless you have to trade all that you did for him. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins for the second round pick. And now you let JJ Watt go for nothing. And so it continues bad personnel decisions. In my opinion, this is not the worst of them. And I'm not going to crucify the Houston Texans for not getting again a compensatory pick for what, but it does, um, it, 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 it is in stark contrast to holding on to a Deshaun Watson, a high-value, non-performing asset. And he's not performing today, and he will be not performing March 17th, the start of the league year. He will be not performing at the end of April uh, once the draft comes. And frankly, if if we want to go into the, well, what's he going to do, not show up for training camp, not play week one? No, he will not. But it's not oh. going to get to that point. And if it does, you, you the Houston Texans, are, are absolute abject failures and idiots. 
<laughs> um, we'll get Watson in a second. I am like, do you think, like, I thought JJ Watt did pretty well, but I thought JJ Watt's the one who handled this with class. Like he could have torched him to the ground and said like, like they were cutting him no matter what. If they couldn't find a trading partner, and I don't know why anyone would want to take on Watt for $17 million, he had no guaranteed money left. They were cutting him. Like this was obvious halfway through the season when they're dealing, you know, when they're, they're making these moves and they're sort of rebuilding on the fly and you don't know, and they're a bad team and they don't have any draft picks. Like he was never going to be part of their plans. Um, they just framed it in a way that was like, like made people feel good, I guess. I, I don't know. Right. And you do it early, um, where, you know, teams are still trying to figure out what they're doing with the cap. They're still trying to figure out what the cap is. You know, well, uh, we're going to keep seeing and, and fans and, and listeners and, uh, readers of, of our work will continue to read like, uh, X team has Y amount in cap space. You don't know that because nobody knows what the cap is. So when I, when I keep reading as I'm doing my off season primers over here, as I kind of turn the page on the Super Bowl, uh, and the season, I keep seeing like, oh, so and so team has nine million in cap space. They, no one knows that. Stop no. saying that. <laughs> we, we were doing the AFC East off season preview and I was like, w- Breach was like, Oh no, Breach is like, yeah, they, this team has negative $1.5 million in cash space. I was like, no, I think they have plus $1.5 million in cash space. He's like, oh, well, off the, over the cap is using a different number than, than spot track. It's like, well, then what are like, <laughs> these numbers are throwing out or. And I've talked with cap people about this who, um, and folks in the league who say, listen, we are operating at 175 plus whatever our, uh, rollover or carryover number officially was from the NFL and NFLPA. So if you got 10 million in, in rollover carryover, that team is operating at 185 million for 2021. Now, whatever else you get on top of that, that's great. That's money that you found in the couch, but you would not be fiscally responsible if you are anticipating the cap being at even, let's say 185 and then adding your rollover. No one, it's all guessing right now. Yeah, it's, it really is. And, and that's, that's part of it off season of COVID, the first, I don't want to call it a post-COVID offseason, but last offseason was the COVID offseason. I mean, yeah, right. this is the first, you know, there, we don't, we don't know. There's a lot still to, to learn about the, about, you know, how the future will unfold. You mentioned Deshaun Watson, you know, has there been any movement that you've heard about with Watson in terms of the Texans taking calls? Because the, some buzz has said that they, they're just like, no, we're not trading him. Yeah. And, I mean, that's it. I, I keep getting asked. Um, what will it take for the Texans to trade Deshaun Watson? Fact is, no one knows because the Texans are absolutely dug in that they are not trading him. And so teams are calling. Uh, they're not getting anywhere with the Houston Texans. They can call Deshaun Watson's camp and Deshaun Watson's camp is like, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of up to the Texans. Now, Deshaun and his camp, they certainly do have leverage. He's coming off a career year. Um, he's 25 years old. He very clearly doesn't want to play there. And he does have, uh, uh, as I'm told, a short list of teams. Now, uh, he and his camp are very wise to keep that close to the vest because, uh, as I've written, it behooves all three parties, Deshaun Watson's new team, let's call it Team X, Deshaun Watson, and the Houston Texans to all work together. It takes three to tango here. Mm-hmm. And the Houston Texans are only going to let go of Deshaun Watson uh, at, at a time that would be favorable to Deshaun Watson and to Team X, if they can get proper value for Deshaun Watson. And you can argue they'll never be able to get proper value for him. And maybe that's a fine and fair argument, but you have to get something for him. And if he releases, hey, I'm only going to these four or five teams, 
or two or three teams, that then drives his value down because everyone now knows that it's not an auction uh, or, or a free-for-all with 12 to 14 teams. So uh, we will likely not hear a defined list from Deshaun Watson. We can obviously guess. We know that he very much likes Miami. We understand that going to play for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, and you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's cap number, and you say, yeah, they could make it work. You don't know how they're going to make it work with the salary cap. You can look at New York, and he likes spending time in New York. His publicist lives in New York. Uh, perhaps that could work with the Jets if he wants to go there. You can make an argument that that's just Houston Texans 2.0. Um, and then finally, the Carolina Panthers are a team that are, will very aggressively pursue Deshaun, have been aggressively pursuing uh, a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater, as evidenced by their attempts at Matt Stafford. And I should say that the Carolina Panthers' attempts at Matt Stafford, which involved uh, a first-round pick, the number eight overall pick, and Teddy Bridgewater, um, they were so adamant and aggressive in Matt Stafford because they believe that the Houston Texans will not make a move with Deshaun Watson mm. at the proper time. And so the Texans have gotten the word out, we're not doing anything with him. Well, does uh, does the Carolina Panthers and, and other teams, do they want to go to the dance and be left without a dance partner? Or do you want to try and say, hey, want to go to the dance with me, Matt Stafford? You're not as cute as Deshaun Watson, but I really want a dance partner. You don't want to show up to the dance with no, with no date. <laughs> so that's no date, you know, with the, like this eighth overall pick. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. So yeah. that's, uh, that's where they're at right now. Okay. Um, with the Panthers, I think the Panthers are really interesting. Somebody asked me on radio this past week. And I don't remember who it was, but they were like, where, you know, where does maybe it was actually here? Actually, no, it was, it was Adam Gold. Sorry, Gold. Um, <laughs> It's been a, it's, yeah, it's been a long week. You do a lot of radio. Yeah. Uh, but gold, it was the end of the hit with gold on Monday. And he said, where, excuse me, where's your prediction for where Deshaun Watson goes? I said, I think it's the Panthers. Cause like, I, I think Miami is going to be, I think Houston in my, Houston and Miami make a lot of sense. But like, my thing is I'm a spiteful person. I don't want to buy back my picks from Houston for my franchise quarterback. Cause then you end up in a situation where people start comparing the, the thing and you're right. going to, it's going to look like you traded Deshaun Watson for Larry Tunsil. <laughs> it I may mean, eventually look that way. Um, or like Larry Tunsil and a first or something. I mean, it, it, it's going to look bad. And I think, I think if, if they, and then the Jets, I don't think that Joe Douglas is going to want to trade three or four first round picks when he has a roster in the particular shape that it's in. And you can sort of kick yourself down the curb a little bit by rolling with Sam Darnold. I get that Deshaun Watson's way better. Don't get me wrong, but right. Yeah, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of Sam Darnold, uh, the, the player, and I understand all the issues with him and all the head coaches and offensive coordinators and the injuries and stuff. It, it, it eventually, and Brinson, you'll appreciate this. It eventually kind of becomes like NC State basketball or NC State football. Like every year, there's there's an excuse. And after like 20 years, it's like, hey, maybe this is a program issue. Uh, like for Sam Darnold, maybe it's like a Sam Darnold issue. And like we can keep explaining it away, but understand that he will, he will likely never have perfect circumstances, uh, for five straight years. So just it sort of is what it is. Um, unbelievably with, disrespectful. However true. accurate, just unbelievably disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, just a complete stray. Um, <laughs> as, as, as far as, as Watson though, I mean, I look at, I look at Houston and I see no picks until the third round. 
I see, uh, you know, they just cleared 17 and a half million in cap space. Um, you know, cut David Johnson, you'll clear six more million. You need some cheap labor. You're in a tough spot. You have a new head coach. You have a new GM. Um, you know, Watson's not going to be on a team that's going to tank. And right now, this team has all the symptoms of a tank job. And so what's the best thing to do uh, when you are entering a tank, what should be an obvious tank? You need a bunch of draft picks. And the Houston Texans don't really have any, have at none. least not until the third round. So um, I understand. Yeah, well, you're a spiteful dude, and I get it. And, you know, for years, people will will compare it. But there is also the built-in excuse for the Texans that that was Bill O'Brien we're we're Nick Casario, and this is uh, the future of the Houston Texans. So, yeah, is it buying back our picks? Yeah, it is, but it's also Nick Casario saying, this is my lot in life, and I have to make the most of it. All right, well, let's talk about the pa- a Panthers possibility because, to me, they have they don't have as good a pick as the Dolphins or the Jets, obviously. Um, you're not going to be able to get – I mean, I guess you could maybe get Justin Fields. Certainly, you – would think you could get Trey Lance, uh, with their selection. It's possible you could get, I doubt Zach Wilson falls that far. I know, but who the hell knows, right? I mean, who knows? Because but, right now, I, I make this comparison all the time. At this point in 2016, it was the Titans and the Browns that had picks one and two. Yeah. And it wound up, of course, being the Rams and the Eagles. And, so, both, and both guys are about to get traded. <laughs> like, like, right. Right. But, but we can look at picks one through seven right now. The Panthers picking at eight and we can say, all right, this team needs a quarterback. This team needs a quarterback. But ultimately, you don't know who's going to hop up there. You don't know if the Falcons at four are going to take a guy and let him sit a year behind Matt Ryan or half a year. There's just there's so many unknowns right now that if you are the Panthers, if you're any fan or observer, but especially if you're the Panthers, I would not at all set my draft board in permanent Sharpie with, okay, here are the quarterbacks who will be available to us at eight. There's no way you know that. Yeah. And I do think that if you want to feel, I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer, but like if you want to feel certain that you're going to get a quarterback, you do need to get above the Falcons. But even then, you're still behind the Jets, so you don't know. You know, it's like if, if you, the only way to know for sure that you could get a, 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 a one of the quarterbacks that's not Trevor Lawrence is to trade with the Jets. That's the only way you can know. That's even, the only way you can know. And and Cincinnati doesn't need to move from three down to eight. Like they they have too many pressing. Cincinnati's it. No, the Dolphins are at three, right? Excuse me, Dolphins are at yeah, three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so, like, I mean, I mean, look, two, two three. The Falcons four. Uh, you know, I could the guess Falcons that. are four. Did the Bengals get to six somehow? I, How did the Bengals get to six? We got like, Cincinnati at five. Five. Yeah, Cincinnati at five. Philly at six. Detroit at seven. Carolina at eight. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so five. okay. So I mean, the w- one through four are all capable of taking a quarterback. And, and also dealing the pick. Yeah, or dealing the pick. And then six, seven, I, I guess the Lions wouldn't take one with Jared Goff there, but who knows? I, I think you can uh, completely rule it out. I mean, the top ten is littered with teams that could potentially take a, a, a quarterback. So if you're the Texans or the Panthers, like I, I guess that's my point. If you're the Texans and you feel like you need to draft a quarterback in addition to getting Teddy Bridgewater back from the Panthers in this hypothetical trade, eight, probably not cutting it. You know, like that, that's part of the Eight problem. is not cutting it. However, this is also important where people say, how many first round picks and whatnot? Listen, the, the second, the, the number two overall pick to me equals one and a half first round picks. Like the, the number two pick and the number 24 pick are just worlds apart. And we're, we're really talking about a guy who, 
has a 50-50 shot, not of being a star, but of being a gold jacket Hall of Famer at number two. Um, whereas at 24, you're talking about a second round pick is really what you're discussing. And so at eight, if so, what I have kind of talked about with the Panthers is if they can get up and make that pick more attractive, if they can go from eight to they're not going to get four because the Falcons wouldn't make that deal with them, no matter really what. Um, But if they can get somewhere in that top five just to make it a little bit more attractive, now we're really talking. Because otherwise, if you're the Panthers, you're going to have to throw in a kicker that you're not going to want to have to throw in. You're going to have to throw in another first rounder or maybe another second rounder. You're going to have to throw in a player that you don't want to part with. And that would be the difficult part for them. All right. So what do you think the framework would look like if they were like stuck at eight? Cause I mean, you could make a deal with the Jets where you find a way to get from eight to two, although that's expensive in and of itself. That's expensive. What yeah. you need for Deshaun, if you, if you want Deshaun or if you just want to get to two. No, we're talking about getting Deshaun. If you want Deshaun, Deshaun is going to cost some, something that equates to four first round picks and maybe something else. Does Christian McCaffrey qualify as a first round pick? That would be a first round pick. Okay. And so you can talk about three first rounders, including number eight this year. You can talk about 20, 2022 and 2023 first rounders, McCaffrey, and then you might have to throw in a third rounder somewhere in there. Would you do that deal if you're Carolina? Absolutely. Yeah, I would too. 100%. Like, first of all, you get McCaffrey off the books, which, I mean, McCaffrey, McCaffrey is a, a, the favorite player in the, in the, on the franchise. Like, yeah. No doubt about it, but he's a running back who has a big contract and you would. Yeah. The biggest contract in the NFL. So yeah, I don't, uh, and I don't think David Tepper, the only hesitation would be to David Tepper. That's the last vestige of his original Panthers that, that he bought. He really does like Christian and all that. Yeah. If I'm the Texans, I'm going to say, well, I, I don't want that third round pick. I want McCaffrey and Brian Burns because we need edge rushers. So there's another first round pick. That's, so see, that, I like people, I think people over, I don't know where, I don't know where we're at in valuation, but like to me, giving up a player like Brian Burns, who you have spent, you're not, it's not just a, a, high, a mid first round pick that you took, you know, it's not like it's number 15 overall to me. He's, he's played better than that. Yes. Like he, if he were, if you did the redraft, I think he would go higher. And regardless, you've developed him like the time that you've spent the last two years to make him a better player and to get production out of him and the expectation of what he can do moving forward. That's a premier pick. So yeah, I mean, on a, on a cost controlled rookie deal. Yeah. So if I'm Carolina and the, and the Texans are, you know, for, if you can get the Texans talking and they're adamant about Brian Burns being involved to me, it would be two first. So this year's first, next year's first Brian Burns. And then like a, a third or, I mean, if you, I think you'd prefer not to throw McCaffrey in there. Cause if you, you know, if you could have Deshaun and McCaffrey at the, and, and DJ Moore and right, like at the very least you're, you are a very enticing offense. Yeah. So I don't know if this year, if number eight overall this year, if let's call it 18 overall next year, Brian Burns and a third round comp pick who might not be on your team in two years is going to be enough for Deshaun, especially okay. when, you know, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Broncos, any number of teams could offer more than that. And so because you're going to get the Niners probably could as well, because you're going to start getting into a little bit of an auction once the Texans pick up the phone, it's going to have to be more. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing too is like if you, if like the pick you send back to Houston next year, the first rounder is below 15, then you have a whole 
different set of problems because <laughs> that means you traded for Deshaun Watson and you weren't even in, really in the playoff hunt, or I guess you were just you didn't. Yeah, if you trade for Deshaun Watson, you expect to be a playoff team next year, right? And you look at the NFC South, and obviously Tampa is going to be right there. But you know, <laughs> you talk about who's above or below and how much cap space you have. New Orleans Saints have you know are a hundred million dollars in the red. Um, you have the Falcons who yep. aren't even going to have a free agency this year. Yep. Um, they're going to have to cut like Deion Jones. We're talking about that too. They'd have to cut like Deion Jones and a bunch of dudes. They, they really, uh, they're only, they're going to have to restructure guys because there's not, you know, outside of like a Dante Fowler, like they're, they're in such bad shape that it's not just as simple as, Hey, here's a high price guy that we can cut and clear $18 million. Like there's, there's no one on the roster that I, we were looking at this for HQ and I was like, how are they going to get under the cap? Like they yeah. don't have. Like, it's all it's it's all going to be restructures, and so then they're going to kick Matthews, the can down the road. Matt Ryan, Julio, just kick it. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if you want to do that with Matt Ryan and or Julio because that bill will come due. I would much rather it be with a younger offensive lineman like a Jake Matthews. Yeah. You know, I'd rather it be Grady Jarrett than a quarterback that may not be on the team in 2022 that you're then paying for in 2024. Yeah. That's, 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 that's called the Cowboys and Romo. That's not what you want. Um, and that's no shade at our colleague, Tony Romo whatsoever. Uh, okay. Any other thoughts on, on Watson before we, uh, on, on Watson? No, no we're not. There's, I, I we're, appreciate. We're, we're stagnant on Watson. It feels like that's exactly right. And we will be for a while. Okay. So, I mean, the, or the one other thing I was going to ask you, I mean, do you think that Deshaun Watson's, uh, I don't know, financial, intestinal, whatever you want to call it, testicular fortitude, moral fortitude, whatever you want to call it, is strong enough to skip games and lose paychecks. Yes. Ooh, okay. Because I think that's the crux of it all. You, you cannot, if you are Deshaun, come out and be this forceful that you're not going to play for the team. Um, or allow your representation to to spread the word that you're not going to, because he hasn't said really anything on the record, right? Um, and then once you guys get into a stare down, you blink because you want to get paid, right? That, I think I, I agree. You, you can't you can't do that, and that has to be a calculation that Deshaun has made. That hey, I grew up broke. Uh, I have more money right now in my life than I will ever spend in three lifetimes. So you guys, you want to dock me pay? That's fine. I'm straight. My family's straight. My my grandchildren are straight. Yeah. You have to b- believe that, and I do believe that he understands that. And and he is a principled dude. Like I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be shocking. Um, also, if you're the Texans, and let's say he sits out games, and you get into the season, and this is getting ugly, are you going to come after his bonus money? Because that will that will send a message. Like you think it's ugly now with the PR stuff. That would get so ugly for them. And and it's it's different than headlines at cbssports.com and it's different than uh, exposés by Sports Illustrated. It sends a message to every free agent. It sends a message to your impending free agents of how you what you think of them. Yep. And it would be worse than when the late Bob McNair and his comments from all of the national anthem controversy. If you see a guy who's done everything the right way in Deshaun Watson, a leader in the community, a leader in the locker room and on the field, uh, be doc pay and bonus money. They're coming after it and all this stuff and, and all out of spite. Good luck. Yeah. And 
McNair's comments. Anyway, we don't have to get McNair's comments. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about more quarterback situations. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, JJ, so is it possible that we are entering a different landscape? Should these quarterbacks be taking shorter deals? Like, I, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson should have played things out. I mean, you got to get, get paid when you get paid. But you know, if he were, if he wrote out his rookie deal right now, he'd be like, listen, we wouldn't have the, I mean, it's, it's a catch 22, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if he hadn't locked himself into Houston, I guess he would still be, have to worry about the franchise tags and all of that. That's, that's right. I mean, look at, look at Dak Prescott, right? Because to, to use this logic and to go down this road, Look at a Dak Prescott who can't get out of Dallas. They're going to keep tagging him. Yep. And to Dallas's detriment, and I said this, Will, <laughs> the day after, really the day of the Jared Goff extension from a couple years ago, Dallas needs to go to Dak Prescott and whatever it was, it was like four years, 130 something million dollars. Tack on another five million dollars so that, you know, Dak can say, I get paid more than him and go to him with that deal. And you'd be in a much better cap situation than you are right now because they're going to tag him. It's going to be around $38 million. There's going to be no relief that they can do. They can't restructure it. So it's, it's harmful to the Cowboys, but that can't get out. Right. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of see where we're going down this road, Will. And about two years ago at my previous employer, I wrote a lot about and spoke about on a podcast about we were entering the era of player empowerment in the NFL. And it is not, this was around the time that Antonio Brown forced his way out of Pittsburgh when we all said, there's too much dead money. Why would Pittsburgh do this? And then he got to Oakland and then he said, I don't want all this guaranteed money. I'm going to force my way out of here too. It was Lev Bell leaving money out there on the table. It was Kirk Cousins getting the first guaranteed contract in NFL history. It was, Julio Jones basically getting a guaranteed contract at the wide receiver position. We have seen really the last couple of years, this leverage, the players really taking on their leverage a little bit more. And it was born out of what the NBA was yep. really doing with these star players. And it was Anthony Davis. It was Kawhi Leonard. It was Paul George. And so these NFL players look over there and say, okay, well, they have guaranteed money. We don't, but what can we do that they are doing? as star athletes. And so then it, it trickled into Jalen Ramsey and Jamal Adams. And we can continue down that list, but what's been driving me nuts, man, is the last probably four or so weeks, people are like, all these quarterbacks have looked at Tom Brady and what he's done in Tampa and the leverage that he created to build. This has nothing to do with Tom Brady. Right. 
This, this has nothing to do with Tom Brady. Tom, Tom Brady, Brady kind of run out of New England. Like he didn't demand a trade. He got run out. And then he didn't have nearly this, the number of suitors that he thought he would have, that I thought he would have. And yeah, he got some say because he had six Super Bowl championships at the time. So yeah. that's what happens. Russell Wilson is not, is not going on the Dan Patrick show and saying what he's saying because Tom Brady is doing something in Tampa. He's doing it because his peers among athletes in the athletic world are doing this. And it, we in the football world and the NFL world need to get our heads out of our asses and realize that it's not all about the NFL, that this has been going on in sports for a while. And so Deshaun Watson and, uh, and Matthew, frankly, Stafford. Carson Matthew Wentz. Stafford, Carson Wentz, all these guys are looking at their peers and that's who they are because they are pro bowl talents. So they're looking at all stars and other, and other leagues and saying, yeah, I want to do it just like that. Why can't I? Well, and you know, it's interesting because for so long, I mean, like baseball had Kurt flood in the seventies, I guess with free agency. And then, you know, football had Reggie white who, you know, they forced their way out of the open market. And for years we sort of, I think athletes have largely been spinning their wheels about, and, you know, quarterbacks in particular, because there is, there's a whole lot of like socioeconomic things to deal with, unpack with quarter, the quarterback position that we mm-hmm. won't get into. But by and large, the quarterback's expectation for better or for worse has been to be the, te- the team player, the leader, you know, like not going to rock the boat. Going to be the guy who plays by, you know, team, you know, like you stand by your team and you do what your team wants. And now it does feel like these, these guys are not, not like they see themselves as individual athletes, although they do, but like the, 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 I hate this, like the, but the brand power of an, like an, I don't know, these, these guys feel, I mean, and it's okay to feel this way. You're like, I don't have to stay here in, in this situation I don't like just because I'm a quarterback and, you know, this team has control over me. Like I'm going to force my way out if I can force my way out. And it's a natural evolution. I think of what we've seen with athletes. You talk about the brand, you know, they have fans on their side more. They can interact more directly with fans. And so fans, I think today, and this is going to be crazy to uh, certainly to athletes who are like, yeah, tell the fans who are on me about fantasy. But I do think that fans today may have Slightly less of an allegiance toward their team, I think you're right. and a little bit more allegiance toward the player than they even had five, ten, twenty years ago. Would you agree I, with that? I, yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that Deshaun Watson, this case where like everybody is on Deshaun Watson's side, is unheard of. I mean, if you did this in the nineties, remember when LeBron James left, and people were like Jordan would never leave the Bulls. You know, right, like, I mean, right. like you're just supposed to stay and win with wherever, whatever you, whatever you got. And so now Russell Wilson says, I don't have to keep playing behind bad offensive lines. And really they they weren't all that uh, this past year, but I don't have to keep playing behind this, this terrible line. I can say something. And then all of the fans, because I know ownership cares about what fans think that can then apply pressure. People can know I am unhappy and we can go about it that way. Aaron Rodgers, same deal. It's very clear that he is unhappy with his contract situation in Green Bay. It's very clear that he's unhappy that they picked Jordan Love number one or with the, with their first round pick. So I can say something, not force my way out of Green Bay, but I can say something that now in, in, engenders people to be like, Hey, you know what? I'm with you on this. And what does it, how does it harm Aaron Rodgers? Cause he's not going anywhere. They're not going to start Jordan Love in week two because he said this. It, he, there's no harm in it. 
It's only positives that could come from it. There's only a positive that Russell Wilson, with all the capital he's built in the Pacific Northwest, for him to go on these shows and say these things. And, so, and, well, I was gonna say, like, too, the reaction from people is not like, "Oh, look at this spoiled quarterback." It's like, see, Seahawks don't like don't screw this. Like, people are like, "Fire Pete Carroll!" Don't screw this up. Like, you know, right. it's crazy. Now, now you got to be careful because you know, and Matt Stafford handled his stuff the right way with Correct. the Lions, and it certainly helped that the Rams and the new Lions general manager came from the Rams, and it all worked out about as as nicely as possible. But you know, Carson Wentz doesn't get that has not earned that same capital. His contract has not yet kicked in. He has shied away from competition, you know, and this isn't going to be a Carson Wentz bash fest, but he is in a different boat than some of these other guys. Yet he's still going to get his wish granted. It's crazy. He made, he got benched for, for second round rookie in the middle of a season in the playoff, in a playoff hunt, you know, granted in the NFCs, but whatever. And he got benched too late. He should have gotten benched like a, a game or two earlier. Three games earlier, but right. It, like he got benched, he got benched in the middle of the season in the middle of a huge contract for a second round rookie in the middle of a playoff hunt. And then down the stretch kept leaking out, you know, or his, his camp kept leaking out like, Oh, Carson has to decide on his future and if he's happy or not. It's like, what are you doing? Your team's like fighting for the playoffs. And then he like doesn't want to back off it after they fire his coach. It's like, what do you want, bro? Like what more could you want in Philadelphia? And so you're right. Like he's made a stink out of it. And he's, in my opinion, I don't think he's handled it very well. And he's still going to get his wish granted. And he's still going to get his wish granted. And that is the point of the player empowerment that this has been of movement for some time that, you know, if, if Carson Wentz can get his wish granted and he can be dealt to Chicago or Indy for a, a mid to late first round pick, then hell yeah, Deshaun Watson and Matt Stafford and all of these guys can absolutely get out of their situation because that's the way the game is today. Yeah. And you look at some of the trades from, you know, quarterbacks in the past. Um, and Alex Smith got dealt for a second round pick. That was Mahomes driven. Um, Tyrod Taylor has been a part of a trade. Nick Foles, who, you know, obviously that whole thing, uh, but Foles was traded to, where's he traded? LA and then for Sam Bradford. Bradford was traded, like Matt Shaw, Matt Castle, who, you know, Shaw was a backup behind Vic when they traded for him and Castle was the backup behind Brady who played one year. So these weren't, I mean, AJ Feely, if you want to go back, Donovan McNabb, like, you don't, we haven't seen ever, and the one, really, quarterbacks traded in their prime. Like, like. Cutler. What's that? There, there was a Cutler trade. Oh, Jay Cutler, you're right, you're right. But that was like, McDaniel showed up and was like, I don't like you. You're out of here. Like he, you right. know, like that was a, yeah, the Cutler's a good call. Um, but Carson only Palmer that's too. It. Right, right. And Carson Palmer couldn't make it any more known that he wanted out. Carson Palmer was like, listen, and he was like very respectful. He's like, listen, I, I don't want to play for this organization anymore. Please trade me. He wasn't like, trade me now or else. He was just like, listen, I, I'm fed up with the Bengals. <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, that's kind of fair. And then Mike Brown was like, nah, not going to trade you. I'd rather sit on your rights and you can retire. And so he retired. And then, you know, Hugh Jackson made a mistake after Al Davis died. Yeah. Anyway, the point being is like, this just very rarely would happen where you would have a quarterback who at one point, you know, was a pro bowl caliber guy who was in his prime that would get traded. And we might see, I mean, if you count Goff, Wentz, Stafford, I, don't know, I guess you don't throw out Teddy Bridgewater too. He's a former first round pick, and like Watson. Yeah. Watson I mean, that's like that's insane in terms of yeah, the offense. Garoppolo. 
Yeah. Um, you know, whether he made a Pro Bowl or not. But yeah, I mean, there, you're right. It should happen once every seven years or something, right? At best. And we could see three, four, five of them in this one off season. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then that doesn't even factor in Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, you know, kicking dirt around and making noise in the off season. And, and that's really, that's all it is. And it was really hard for me after hearing both of them to be like, Oh, wow, this could really be something because you, you're just, you don't trade the MVP. You, you don't trade Russell Wilson. It, it, it doesn't, you know, I, if I, if that's, if that's a hill that I die on and I die, okay, I'm dead. I'm dead that I died on the hill that you don't trade Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. I mean, <laughs> but, okay. Hang, hang not- my career. Uh, up. That's fine. I mean, the Texans is different too. The Texans just won four games with Watson playing and there's all this other stuff going on. The, the Seahawks were just in the playoffs. Russell's just trying to let Russell is, in my opinion, I think he went and saw Tom Brady. He was just sitting in that, in that, um, you know, sitting there with a the good guy award, which the Walter Payton man of the year award is a, is a, is one of the most prestigious awards in professional yeah. football. It's a huge award. It's, it is a big honor, but it is the good guy award. And he's sitting there in the booth with Roger Goodell and his wife, masked up, watching Tom Brady win number seven, holding the good guy award, still without an MVP vote, and his team lost to Chase Walford or John, or, you know, John Walford in the playoffs, like, I, I, I and in the corpse of Jared Goff, who just got traded. So I understand why. I think he had like some FOMO frustration, and yeah. basically wants to say, "Hey, look, I, I, I don't. I just saw Drew Brees. Drew Brees is retiring. He has one." Aaron Rodgers just came up woefully short to this guy who just won't quit winning. He has one. I don't want to retire with just one in Seattle. And I think that's sort of what his frustration was born out of. And probably Aaron Rodgers too, you know, and that's, that's okay. Um, send a message. You're under contract. You're a huge asset. You're borderline untradeable because you're ca- cap head. I mean, send a message. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a leverage play. You, you want to flex your muscle a little bit. And that's, that's all it is. I mean, that really is all it is. And now Seattle, when they do sign someone, when they sign an offensive lineman, when they sign a, a skill position who is a weapon who ran a four-two-five at whatever combine they're going to have, right? Whenever they do that, they can then say, and all the fans can say, look here, Russell, there you go. So it, it, it may have been when Antonio Brown caught the touchdown of the Super Bowl. Because Russ lobbied. I mean, he was lobbying for Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that would have put him over the top by any stretch, but yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But I think your point of they're just kicking dirt, that's exactly what it is. And they want to make sure that as the dust settles, their uniforms are clean. Everything's happy. Everybody's good. You, you heard me? Okay, let's go. It'd be like if, like, if for whatever, you know, let's say that the combine was actually happening and you and I don't go to the combine. CBS is like, nah, you guys aren't going to the combine. And so instead of like talking about, football players on here we come on the po- podcast and like passively aggressively talk about you know, th- that's all it right. is. Like, you're, you're just that's you're it. a little frustrated you're letting it out and you're doing it in a way where you know i'm not i'm not saying that we're that way i'm just saying that's that feels yeah. like what and that's that's what it is so Wentz is going to get dealt and all that super bowl week talk was just trying to gen up a lot of urgency hey you know this, this uh this is this house might sell guys you might want to put in an offer that's all that was. Um, he, he's going to get dealt and he's going to get dealt to one of those two teams. And, and that'll be that. Um, you know, I do believe ultimately Watson will get traded, but it's not going to be anytime soon. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo 
I think that the Niners are going to be okay with Jimmy Garoppolo if he comes back. But if they can do better, and I don't believe Sam Darnold or Mitch Trubisky are better than Jimmy Garoppolo, especially at his $25 million number, then okay. But if they can do better, if they can get Deshaun Watson, that's an extremely tradable contract that Jimmy Garoppolo has where you owe him $25 million this year, but you can cut him if there's injury or whatever next year. And if he plays well, $25 million for for a pretty good quarterback is a still. That's the thing is like Carson Wentz isn't even part of the dominoes. I don't think, I think Carson Wentz is like one little, you know, like sometimes like you just set up a little domino outside the dominoes and it's just, you just knock it over for like, that's what Carson Wentz is. And Watson is the guy that's going to start these dominoes. Correct. Because if Watson goes to San Francisco, then maybe Garoppolo goes to New England. And then, you know, now that New England doesn't have to do that at 15 and move right. up, which it, they may. Exactly. And then, I mean, you know, again, like maybe if, if the Niners like Sam Darnold and the Jets are thinking, fall in love with the quarter. I mean, I'm just saying there's, you know, but the Niners are probably going to wait and see what happens to Watson. And, for the, you know, there's, so that Watson's the real domino here, but I agree with you. I think Wentz will get dealt sooner and later. And then we're going to have to ride up this Watson thing and, and maybe Derek right. Carr will get moved in between then. Yeah. Carr, Mariota, then you have Tua down in, in Miami. If Watson goes to Miami, somebody's going to want Tua yeah. and he can't, he, he won't be there in Miami. Right. So yeah, Watson's the domino. We wait and see how it goes. And I'm sure we'll talk to you more about it uh, in the near future, JJ. Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks. Buddy. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.